0: And so I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. It's the second book of the New Testament, Mark chapter 9. And would you stand for the reading of the Gospel this morning? Mark 9, beginning at verse 30. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. It came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they'd argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called to the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. May the Lord add blessing to the reading of his word. You can be seated. Jesus is on this journey. He's traveling. He's traveling with his disciples and they are going through Galilee. They're on their way to Capernaum and in the previous chapter Jesus if you read back a little bit Jesus speaks about his own suffering and um, about picking up a cross and following him and Peter hears that and and Peter thinks that's just crazy talk and he needs to shut Jesus down and so he tries to he tries to quiet him down and and that's the place where where Jesus says those words that we know that that kind of sting a little bit he says to Peter get behind me Satan now you don't need me this morning to tell you that's not really what we want to hear from Jesus right But in today's passage, Jesus speaks again of the coming of his death. Speaking again that he would rise again, but the the disciples don't understand what he's saying. They remember that they talked about it the last time, but I think that perhaps it didn't go so well, so they were afraid to ask this time. It appears that some of them weren't even listening to Jesus anyway. Jesus could hear these heated words of the disciples as they're journeying along, and and he can't quite make out what the words are, but but it, it would stand to reason that if Jesus doesn't quite make the words out of what they're saying, they're not really making out the words of what Jesus is saying either. And when they reached Capernaum, Jesus asked them what they were arguing about along the way, and Scripture says they were silent, for they had argued about who was the greatest. The disciples had missed Jesus' words because they were arguing over who was the greatest. Who's really second in command of this place? And it begs the question when you read it, are there things that we miss? Are there things that we miss about God's kingdom because we are arguing about something else? You don't need me to tell you that we live in an argumentative society, an argumentative age. I, I see it in sports all the time. I don't know how many times a, a basketball player I've watched stop and argue with the ref about a foul that wasn't called while the other team goes down and scores in the midst of all of that. You, you see it in politics. Am I the only one, or has this political season now crossed into the bizarre and the embarrassing? How much political grandstanding that goes on about insignificant issues when when some of the most important things are the things that aren't talked about? Or how many good ideas are dismissed because someone on the other side thought of it and we certainly couldn't do it because it was their idea? It happens in churches. I learned about a month ago, i never heard this story, learned about a month ago that when when the church moved from downtown in about 1988 out here and built this first section uh, of the building that there were two families that we lost uh, that didn't make the move uh, because they weren't going to come to a church that didn't have pews. They were not going to come to a sanctuary with chairs. Almost 30 years later, the chairs won. But who got lost? Disagreement is not a bad thing. It can be a healthy thing. Conflict can be a healthy thing. It's important to have honest discussion and air differences. Jesus, Jesus didn't back down from issues. But when Jesus went to arguing about something, it was about usually about relationship. It was about brokenness. It was about people who were broken or the needs of people or right relationships with people. The disciples, however, are entirely self-serving. Their, their, their whole thing is about them. It's about them. They're arguing who, who's, who's going to be second in charge. In Jesus' time, I mean, it isn't out of the ordinary because in Jesus' time, the whole world was set up with hierarchies. Someone had to be the top dog. There there was the Romans, there were the conquered nations, and there were the vassal states. Greeks looked down on everyone else. I think somewhat like a highfalutin city-cultured person might look down on the hicks and the sticks. There were religious hierarchies as well. We read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the New Testament, but there were others as well, other religious groups and other religious standings. There were economic hierarchies, the rich versus the poor, the landowners versus those who'd owned no land, the rich absentee landowners, and and then they had managers that ran their estate, and then the poor day laborers who eked out an existence, and below them the slaves. There were all kinds of hierarchies, and here the disciples are just trying to establish their own. Who's going to be in charge when Jesus isn't around? It's hard to be real tough on the disciples because it's pretty easy to hold up a mirror and see ourselves. Every Monday morning, the Associated Press puts out the top 25 basketball teams for the week, and everybody's trying to be number one. Every day, it seems, we get a presidential poll, at least one. Who is going to be number one? There's a lot of effort going into keeping track of who the greatest is. The Grammys, the Oscars, the Golden Globes, the People's Choice. Band and orchestra members are always trying to be first chair. Girl Scouts are always competing to who sells the most cookies. It goes on and on. We even try to outdo our neighbors with our Christmas lights. There are plenty of hierarchies in the world. There's even religious hierarchies. I go to some pastor events and, and we'll be sitting around the table and invariably somebody will ask me the question, so how big is your church in Sandpoint? Now I know what they're asking, but my standard answer is usually about 20,000 square feet. <laughs> the disciples believe that Jesus' kingdom is eminent and they're arguing about who's going to be the vice messiah in all their discussions about what they were doing they they were missing what jesus was saying he's talking about important stuff he's talking about his suffering he's talking about his death and and they missed it he's talking about his resurrection jesus asked them what what were you guys talking about back there i think they looked at their shoes they didn't want to answer they were embarrassed But jesus has a little inkling of what they're talking about and and so he says to them you um See, I I think maybe I don't think this is the first time this came up (laughs) I think maybe they have dealt with this before and jesus says whoever wants to be first must be last of all Must be servant of all And then jesus took a child in his arms and said whoever welcomes a child welcomes me now, today, family life is centered on children and taking kids to ball games and dances and lessons and school activities. In fact, there are a lot of times that Jamie and I have to sit down on Monday mornings and we have to plan out the week, which kid goes where and who's going to take them where. And, and it's, it is nice that Lake is driving. We just sleep in now. And um, uh, maybe it isn't that good, but still. Grandparents don't on kids, it's, it's, it's a great thing. You know, it's interesting. Never happens in first service. Just in second service, two weeks in a row, it's made that noise. I don't know what I, what I do. First service, it was great. First service last week, it was great. Maybe it's just my fuel gauge is running low on the... <laughs> But see, in Jesus' day, it wasn't like that. They didn't sit around and plan the activities for their kids. In Jesus' day, kids in society were considered of almost no value. They were neither to be seen nor heard, especially in a gathering of men. Children did not have status, and the only way they got status is when they got old enough to contribute something to the family. And so for Jesus, a public figure right in the middle of teaching, for him to take a child in his arms would have been shocking. The point can't be missed. For here the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest, and right in the midst of that, Jesus is defining for them, redefining for them greatness. Greatness was seen in welcoming the least of these. Now, this story of Jesus and the children is not not about a romantic um, idea of kids and innocence and wonder and how wonderful they are. I think that's part of the story, but you can't miss it. it. This is really a statement much deeper than that. This is a statement about people who are... Low status. This is a statement about people who are vulnerable, that we are called to serve with humility, valuing, welcoming, seeing people as Jesus sees them. There's an old story, maybe you've heard it because I've heard it in a couple different places. It was about a pastor in Dallas who was pastoring a small church and and was excited that the church was beginning to grow And uh, they he was excited He said to one of the ladies in the church I'm, It's exciting to see 60 or 70 people here Because they'd been running about 35 And, and she said pastor I, I've been counting every week And I, I don't get over 50 I get 40 to 50 I don't know where you get 60 or 70 and, and so they Decided well they would count together And so they went to the first row They were in the back And they began to count the six on the first pew And before they got to the next pew the woman stopped him And said no 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 You can't count the kids he thought she was joking around. He said, Hey, if they're breathing and they're here, I'm counting them. She said, No, you can't count the kids. They don't contribute anything. And the pastor's jaw hit the floor, and the woman walked away. And the pastor said he began to count, continued to count them. And wasn't it interesting that his number began to look more like her number because the families with the kids decided to go somewhere where they counted? According to Jesus, how we value others, especially in low regard, that's how we measure greatness. And that's something. How we value others, especially of low regard, is the test of greatness. For in Jesus' eyes, every person has worth. I read about this guy that went away to boot camp, Coast Guard, and he'd never fired a, a, a gun before. And it came to that place where he knew he was got to do that training. He never, had just never grown up doing that before. And, and um, all the guys they are heading off to the firearm training and, and the guys that are in his group, they're, they're all kind of bragging about what great marksmen they are back at home and how many, you know, they hunt and they do this. And, and they kind of were having a competition. I mean, who was going to come out on top? This guy didn't even enter into it because he thought, I mean, I never shot a gun. I'm not even going to be part of it. But wouldn't you know when the day was over, he wasn't quite best in class, but he was close. He did better than most, including those who had bragged about how good they were. So after it was over, the shooting instructor called him over and said, listen, son, I could tell you never shot a gun before. And the recruit said, well, how did you know that? He said, well, because you have no bad habits to unlearn and no ego to overcome. You were open and ready and listened and you did well the disciples with their egos and their arrogance and their concern for who was best and who who was right and who would be number 1 they missed what Jesus had to offer can i ask you And I just want to say up front, I know, I recognize, I've recognized all week with this. This is a meddling sermon, okay? Don't blame me. Blame Jesus, all right? Because it's meddled with me all week. Are we so sure that we know what we're doing for Jesus that we miss listening to the hard stuff of Jesus? For there is a difference between being a a loudly declared fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. The same spirit that would welcome a child welcomes Jesus. The true value of a child to listen to a child, to listen to the imagination and sense of wonder and and their way of looking at life. and, And how much do we need today a capacity to imagine a different world? How much do we need today to understand that that our journey of faith really is an adventure and a little child doesn't care about the background of someone or their occupation or their educational level? How much could we learn from our kids? For true greatness involves humility. Not by putting yourself down, but by lifting others up. There's too much putting down. We need to be a people who value the children of God, and in doing that, we are simply following in the way of Jesus. I was thinking this week, Lewis and Jan, it's nice to have you here. This morning, a week ago yesterday, the two of you stood at the graveside of Lewis's dad, and we prayed for you. We prayed for Dan Otremba during the prayer today, and I didn't even see that Ernie was, where did he go? Ernie was here. Ernie's who lost his dad this week praying for loss in the midst of these days. I didn't know your dad, Lewis, but I knew he was a Nazarene pastor. And, uh, and I knew if, you, if I asked you to share this, you'd say no, so I didn't ask. Um, which will make sense in a minute. I didn't know a lot about him until till he passed away, and I heard some stories and read some things. He was on the landing of Omaha Beach, which that in itself is pretty significant. And while fighting in the Battle of the Bulge, he got separated from his unit and was missing in action for a time. He came home and went on to pastor small Nazarene churches for 38 years and raised 11 kids in a small church parsonage, which I got to imagine was a stretch He would take his two-week vacation and he'd go work for a friend. And when the two weeks is over, he would come back with the money he'd made on vacation and he would donate it back to the church. You see, the kingdom of God in the kingdom, the ones who are remembered as great are not the ones that get shouted out by the world standard. In the kingdom of God, the people that are measured as great don't stand up and tell you how great they are. In the kingdom of God, they don't need to take ads for 30 second sound bites, they just do it. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Jesus modeled true greatness in welcoming a child, a least of these, the lowest on the ladder. Who would you have to welcome to look more like Jesus? I'm just going to let that hang there for a while. Who would you have to welcome to look more like Jesus? In your bulletin I don't know if you've ever noticed we hope you notice things in the bulletin in the upper left hand corner there's just a little brief message from me y- you might have read it long ago it's probably something you've skipped along many bulletins are like that they have some kind of welcome to new people to guests who, who join them for the day and a while back I read, uh, came across a printed in a church bulletin a welcome like one I had never seen before and I thought Today might be a good day to share it. This is what it says to guests who walk in the door. It said, we extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, filthy rich, dirt poor, and yo no habla ingles. We extend a special welcome to those who are crying newborns, skinny as a rail, or could afford to lose a few pounds. We welcome you if you sing like Bocelli or if you can't carry a note in the bucket. You're welcome here if you're just browsing, just woke up, or just got out of jail. We don't care if you're more Catholic than the Pope or haven't been to church since little Joey's baptism. We extend a special welcome to those who are over 60 but not grown up yet and to teenagers who are growing up too fast. We welcome soccer moms, NASCAR dads, starving artists, tree huggers, latte sippers, vegetarians, junk food eaters. We welcome you if you're having problems or you're down in the dumps or you don't like organized religion, we've been there too. If you blew all your offering money at the dog track, you're welcome here. We offer a special welcome to those who think the earth is flat, work too hard, don't work, can't spell, or because grandma's in town and wanted you to go to church. We welcome those who are inked, pierced, or both. We offer a special welcome to those who could use a prayer right now. Had religion shoved down your throat as a kid or got lost in traffic, and wound up here by mistake. We welcome tourists, seekers, and doubters, and you. To extend that kind of welcome, to value people in that kind of way, to serve God and others for Jesus, that's the measure of greatness. We're called to be the kind of community... That welcomes those that others won't welcome. And that invites those in who don't seem to have much to offer. Jesus said, when you welcome like that, when you welcome like that, you welcome me. So if, if that's what the church is to be like, if the church is to look like Jesus, then it has to start with the people of the church looking like Jesus. So what about us? Are we just content being great fans of Jesus? Are we willing to be a follower? Who do you need to extend an open heart or an open hand to? You want to do great things for the kingdom of God. You want your life to count for something. It won't necessarily be in some huge way with fireworks. It will begin in the quiet love of Jesus. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever will lose their life for me and for the sake of the gospel that person will find it. question for us is how will you purposely lose your life this week? And I don't want that to be the rhetorical question that leads into prayer and then into lunch. But how will we purposely lose our life this week? To lose the battle to win the war is to lay our stuff down for the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me? Father, we don't want that to be an empty question. And so we pause just in this moment to let you speak to it. How will we purposely lose our life this week? Let's listen to you for a moment. Father, I guess we confess this morning that It's easy to own your playbook. It's harder to follow the plays. And I guess we confess this morning, there are times we, we just think that we got it made <laughs> and we're doing it right. And God, we confess that there are times that we look at others Those that are on the margins. Those that look different. Those those that have made lifestyle choices different than ours. Those that have been forgotten by society. And we look at others and we can push away. And yet Jesus tells us that that the measure of greatness is by how we welcome those whose society has pushed out. I don't know what that looks like for each person in this room, but I do know that you call us to be your hands and feet wherever you place us. In whatever room you've placed us in, whatever family you've given us, whatever neighborhood you've set us in. So Lord, help us. Help us to be not just people who carry around the book of plays, but actually actually live them out help us to be a people who recognize that if we're trying to put ourselves on top we lose but if we'll put you on top if we'll put others on top we win and god i'm the first to confess that that's easier to say than it is to do and i need your help and we need your help But we want to be a people who aren't just known as fans in this town. We want to be a people who are known as followers. And when people look at us, and when family members look at us, and when neighbors and co-workers look at us, they see a little bit of Jesus. So God, help us this week to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears, and to represent your kingdom. For your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven in jesus name we pray amen lord bless you as you go pay your bills won't buy